the institution really does kind of focus on the crisis uh, in front of it. And I think that uh, with the pandemic, um, uh, with uh, you know, kind of the social uh, um, social justice movement that sparked last year, um, I think a lot of issues kind of came to a head. And uh, this infrastructure package is not just about um, you know the policies uh, that it puts forward, but what it represents as a country. Welcome to the A Fire Podcast, now streaming on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. How can we get infrastructure that serves everybody? How can we pay for it and make sure that it continues to be funded, not just today, tomorrow, for the ribbon-cutting ceremony, but for many, many, many years to come? How do we make sure that the infrastructure is built for today and for tomorrow and not for technology of 10 or 20 years ago? So this is the second part of a two-episode podcast focused on infrastructure. How can we make it better? How can we make it better for everyone? And in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit more in depth around the politics and the practicalities of how we get it done. But there'll be a lot of other discussion as well. Uh, we have as guests Rodney Slater, uh, the former Secretary of Transportation during the Clinton years, uh, Bill Schuster, uh, former Chair of the, uh, of the Infrastructure and Transportation Committee and uh, a representative uh, for Pennsylvania in the 9th District between 2001 and 2019, a Republican. And we also have the executive director um, of, or former executive director for the Congressional Black Caucus, Carol Street, to help us walk through this. So let's go right into the conversation now. Well, when I think about um, the, talking about infrastructure and political discourse around it, so I, I'm not in any way part of the political class, but I get to listen. I get to, to, to watch television and everything else and, and hear everyone talk about infrastructure. I, I can't remember a time when we didn't talk about it. I can't remember a time when, when a, a high level, even the president, but other other uh, officials talked about how this is this is when we're going to invest. This is when we're going to invest. And and over the last twenty years, there's been, I mean, some investments that have made some sense and everything else. But I think there hasn't been anywhere near what people promised or what we thought we were going to get. And uh, we get a crisis on a global scale, and things start to really happen. This is an obvious question. Why? And I'll give it to Bill. Why is that? Why does it take a crisis for us to understand how important this is for everyone's life, everyone's daily life, the economic health of the country, um, safety, happiness, joy, all those things? I mean, why is it that we don't see it imp as important enough? to be able to drive it through without a, a virus. All right. Well, I, I think that uh, the one word that comes to mind is focus. When something bad happens or a crisis happens, you, know, you look back to 9-11, you look up to, to our history, uh, when there's a crisis, then that's when the government seems to act. They have a focus to get things done. And I think the, uh, the, the pandemic has uh, allowed us to really focus on things like broadband, that's absolutely critical to some inner city places uh, don't have real good access. Uh, my 
home district, very rural district, has doesn't have great access to broadband. Some places is almost non-existent. Uh, so that focus is what turns the drive uh, the legislature, legislatures around the country to, to focus on this. Um, it's uh, it's unfortunate, I guess, but that's that's the way Americans, I think, the way we think. Uh, everything's good and we're rolling along and things maybe not be as great, but uh, until something hits us that makes us step back and say, we've got to do something. Again, you look at you know 20 year anniversary of 9-11. Uh, we realized that 20 years ago when they attacked us, all of a sudden, uh, we realized that these people around the world uh, hated us and were going to try to harm us. So, and I think, again, that's what you see in infrastructure. We've been talking about infrastructure week for a decade or so, uh, and uh, and now it's finally come to pass that we're, we're going we're gonna to address it. We could do even more uh, to do this, uh, but I think this is, as, as I said earlier, a positive bill. I would just like to, if I could step back, you, you mentioned a couple of projects, smaller projects. The one I like to highlight because it runs through my district is uh, the Great Allegheny Passage, which is connected to the CO, CNO Canal towpath from Georgetown to Cumberland, America, Cumberland, Maryland, and then Cumberland, Maryland turns into the Great Allegheny Passage to Pittsburgh. It's it's 300 miles. And so as you, if you go to my district, uh, uh, small towns, uh, in Somerset County and Fayette County, there were old coal mining towns that have been just hit hard. Uh, this trail went through, and so tourism has come back. And there's a, f- a few, several little towns in my district where houses would, a decade or so ago, would sell for sixty thousand. Now they're selling for one hundred and twenty thousand dollars because people from Washington and Baltimore want to want a place in the in the mountains of Pennsylvania. So that's something that's a smaller project. It's three hundred miles of. Uh, abandoned railroad track that they've they've put back to use and it's been it's been very uh very positive for the uh for, for those communities along the way um and, and one other thing that i think is important is is you know politicians uh, we always want to do infrastructure but it's and the american people always want to do infrastructure but it seems like nobody really wants to pay uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's magic. It's all magic. And, uh, and that's why, uh, and I said earlier, the, the funding mechanism needs to be really looked at and, and we need to assess it and change it because, uh, we've got to pay for these things. And I think as a conservative Republican, a user fee is the best way to pay for these things. If you use it, you pay for it. And that's what the, that's what you pay at the pump. And that's what we've got to figure out into a vehicle miles traveled to make sure we can do these things. Uh, so that, you know, seven, eight, 10, 12 years from now, we're not back in the same position we are that, geez, we need to spend, and the assessment is we need to spend $2 trillion on infrastructure. And we're getting about half of that, a little over half of that. Uh, so again, we've got, we've got a ways to go. Uh, um, unfortunately, they were, there was a, a mechanism they were trying to put in the Senate bill about a, uh, an infrastructure fund. It was small. Uh, it didn't make it through the process. Uh, I know I've been working with folks on an infrastructure bank, a, a, a federal infrastructure bank. Uh, there's about 30 states have uh, legislation enacting a, a, a state a state infrastructure bank, but very few of them are in uh, are really utilized. So I think it's time for the national level basing something uh, similar to the federal home loan bank, which has been around for 80 years and it's been highly successful building housing stock in this country. And I think an infrastructure bank we talked earlier about there's pension funds from around the world, the people that are listening to this, the people that invest in real estate, what I believe invest in an infrastructure bank uh, and and have a return, a solid return. I know the Canadians, they do a lot of that around the world 
investing in infrastructure projects. And it's, it's the, uh, it's many of them are the, uh, the Canadian labor union pension funds. So they get sort of a double bang for their buck. They're investing and getting a nice return, but they're also people are building roads, bridges, and buildings. And, and, uh, and so they're putting their membership back to work. So, so again, I, there's, there's still much more we can be done. Uh, but I think this bill again is, is a, is a positive step in the right direction. I agree. Uh, the, um, the idea of an infrastructure bank, uh, I think, is, is an excellent one in terms of the, the, my next question, which maybe I'll open up to all three of you. How do we maintain momentum? I mean, we've got momentum. Everyone's paying attention. I'm, you know, we're having this discussion around infrastructure. Um, what what are the keys that we need to do once the, the, the crisis has passed to make sure that we continue? Um, well, even with the passage of this bill, the crisis will not have passed. Uh, this is a major infusion of resources, but uh, the, um, you know, the tally sheet for what's necessary is far larger, uh, an amount that's far larger. Uh, but there again, it underscores the importance of, I think, the, as we've noted, uh, the private sector playing uh, a role. You know, if you look at the system early on, it was really funded principally by the private sector. Uh, and it was this period of the interstate era when we, um, for the most part, started to spend big public dollars uh, to build the system. That was important. A place like Arkansas, my home state, would never have been able to play its role in building uh, the connections to the interstate system that uh, exists uh, in Arkansas. And we never would have uh, built out the you know, interior of the country, connecting it to the coast, the way we're able to do without this broad federal vision. Uh, but, uh, but the private sector um, really was driving the railroad investment early on and even a lot of the uh, road uh, investment. And here, we need to figure out a way to bring those dollars off the sidelines, uh, as has been noted time and time again, uh, to keep the momentum uh, going. Uh, and um, many of the uh, members of your organization, the AFIRE organization, uh, can be very important uh, players uh, in this regard. The last point I'll make is this. Um, I think that uh, this focus on the Sunbelt region, with all of its growth and, uh, and opportunity, uh, borne out by the uh, results of the most recent census showing the significant growth in population, it affords those who are interested in, in uh, infrastructure, those who are interested in real estate, to, I think, engage uh, the private sector leaders with ideas, with proposals for addressing the long-term infrastructure and transportation concerns. And so you don't just wait for the public officials to come up with a project. You can actually lead with uh, taking ideas to them and encouraging them to at least give them uh, time and consideration. And I think that we're going to see a lot more of that uh, in certain regions of the country uh, that are experiencing the growth and opportunity that um, we see across this region uh, in the coming years as well. I, I, I love that. Don't wait. Lead. Pretty simple. Um, and, and I think it, it's something that we all need very much to take to heart. So thank you for that. Um, so Karen, how do we keep the momentum without messing it up? I think we need to think bolder and bigger than 
what we're looking at right now and instead uh, push ourselves to think about, uh, you know, very progressive and innovative solutions uh, like, uh, you know, Chairman Schuster just mentioned um, in terms of an infrastructure bank. Uh, I think we really have to truly um, view this as a down payment. Uh, there, there are so many different reasons uh, why we operate the way that we do. You know, Congress is a very reactive uh, institution. We, we, um, there are so many different issues under the sun, uh, funding the government every single year, one of them <laughs> that is uh, perennial, um, that it, the institution really does kind of focus on the crisis uh, in front of it. And I think that uh, with the pandemic, um, uh, with, uh, you know, kind of the social, uh, um, social justice movement that sparked last year. Um, I, I think a lot of issues kind of came to a head and, uh, this infrastructure package is not just about, um, you know, the policies, uh, that it puts forward, but what it represents as a country for us to come together and, and deliver a solution and move, move forward together. I think that um, if we if we really want to build on this moment and and meet this moment historically, um, we have to think about um, uh, infrastructure far more broadly than than we um, have been trained to, and, and that's why I think it's it's uh, very inspirational to see the the investment in broadband, but we could have gone so much further, and we should. Um, it, it's exciting and uh, kind of stomach churning to watch the conversation going on around uh, the reconciliation package that we haven't really discussed, but um, is kind of the, the sister to this hard infrastructure package um, and instead is looking at investing in, in human infrastructure. And what does it look like to uh, create a national childcare system to ensure that uh, the women of this country um, who have disproportionately been burdened with the childcare that comes from uh, uh, an inability to get our children back into schools where they need to be, um, what it looks like to, to set that up around them and all of the economic activity that comes with that. Um, you know, we've talked about uh, climate change and, and resiliency and sustainability. Um, you know, what does it look like to uh, really implement uh, the billions of dollars that have been included in this, in this hard infrastructure package to look at legacy pollution and how it has disproportionately impacted poor communities of color um, and all of the health disparities that come from that. Uh, all of these issues, all of these policies, uh, not only come down to real people that they impact, um, but families and whole communities that are then saddled with the burden uh, that we don't, um, uh, if we don't take action uh, to invest in addressing these issues. Um, so I think we have to keep the momentum going by pushing our imagination. Um, and, and I think that um, we're, we're right on the cusp of that. Uh, we just have to um, uh, not see this as the last part of the conversation or the end of the chapter, but really just just the beginning. Just the beginning. I, I've always been struck about a, a strange thing in language, which is that we use the word soft 
to describe things that are far more difficult and far more hard than the things that we call hard. So true. Hard stuff's easy. Yeah. And, and I, I think it's an interesting kind of cognitive dissonance that we've created in our own language and one that I think we need to be aware of mm -hmm. um, because we tend to dismiss soft. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a soft issue. Um, you know, whether or not the people mm -hmm. that work for me want to work for me, that's a soft issue. Well, actually, mm -hmm. that's the whole issue. <laughs> that's really, <laughs> really hard. Um, yes, it's poor people that are getting hurt, mm -hmm. but it's all of us because, you know, if I put on my capitalist glasses, I can say, well, look at all that lost productivity. Exactly. Look, look at that amazing mm -hmm. potential for great labor, great ideas, great things that are happening. And the, unfortunately, they're breathing and drinking toxic waste. Um, and so I'm not going to get that. So my society is poorer because of it. Um, so I, I, I think mm -hmm. it's, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Karen. That's something we have to keep there. That the three of you have, have managed to kind of lay out. I, I, I wish I could just put you into one person and then make you president or something. You know, I, I, think, I think with the three of you together, we could solve all the world's problems. It would be fantastic. Uh, well, before, we, before we, uh, we jump out, I wanted to make sure that all of you had a chance. Maybe we do a, a last kind of, uh, we always call it a round robin for some reason. But um, in terms of what is it that you think will change in the next five years that you're most excited about? that you think, you know, maybe something that is unexpected, that you are excited that could happen? I'll, I'll jump in. I think that um, I am most excited by the fruits of the labor of diversity, equity, and inclusion. I think that those are, um, have often been um, uh, kind of uh, superficial terms that have been thrown out to um, appease individuals to uh, to kind of give soft shrift to, to um, some advancement to, to tokenize in some ways. Um, I, I think that um, diversity is not just about racial diversity, uh, gender, uh, sexual orientation, and identity, uh, veteran status. Geographically, where do we come from? <laughs> you know, what, what do we represent? Um, religion, creed, everything. I, I think that um, the challenges that we have faced over the past uh, couple of years have forced us to recognize that no one person can save us. We have to come together. We have to recognize that um, the, the, um, um, the persistence of poverty and, and suffering among any of us is among all of us. And it ultimately impacts um, our strength as a country and as a global community. And I think we recognize that we have to pull all of these different threads into one conversation and into one solution. And that's how you make sure that infrastructure actually serves all of us. I think it's very inspirational um, to have uh, Secretary Pete um, and all that he and his family represent leading uh, it, the implementation of this infrastructure package. Uh, that is not that is not lost on me and it shouldn't be lost on us. And I think that um, the next five years uh, will bear the fruit of uh, the DEI movement and really um, embed it in, in the foundation of, of so many of our, our institutions, be they political or private. Um, and I think that's very exciting. That is exciting. So, Bill, what do you think? 
Well, I, I think that this bill is exciting, uh, what it's going to be able to accomplish over the next uh, five, several years. Um, the fact that it, it can bring communities that were, have been separated uh, and bring them back together. And I, I look at one community that I'm fairly close to is Hartford, Connecticut, where the idea is to build it. And that's one of the most, conge I think it's the 10th most congested place in the interstate highway system going through Hartford, smack dab between Boston and New York. And there's been talk for years about putting a tunnel under, much like the big dig. And what that does for Hartford is allow communities to be reconnected, but it also allows the Hartford community to, to regain their waterfront. And if you if you spend it's a it's a big project, several billion dollars, but you're probably talking about billions of dollars in investment that will occur along that waterfront there that they've lost. I mean, it's an interstate highway that basically dominates the waterfront there. So I think things like that are exciting to look at. Uh, we talked a little about there's a struggle between maintenance and, and doing big projects like that. But I think uh, we've got to figure out how, how to do both. Uh, and I'll, I'll say this and it may sound like a negative, but I'm excited that this bill is gonna, going to move forward and the pressure is going to be on the, the next uh, infrastructure bill to figure out how to fund it long term. I mean, we've been kicking the can down the road for, for 20 years, uh, and we've got to figure out a way to have a sustainable uh, highway trust fund and funds for these infrastructure projects uh, because it's it, it has to happen if we're going to continue to, to build our, our, our infrastructure. And it's important. It's the backbone of our economy, how we, how we move people, how we move product. Uh, how we move uh, natural resources around the country and around the globe, for that matter, if you talk about our ports and, and those those types of assets. So so I think this is an exciting time. And uh, I think this is, as I think Karen said, this is a down payment uh, on the future. But we've got to We've got to do more. And I'm excited about this bill and what could happen in the future. I, I'm particularly struck. And you've talked about it a couple of times during this this podcast, Bill, about uh, about how we how we maintain, how we pay for it going forward. And it, it feels like that's the soft issue uh, politically in that it's the really tough one to get. Um, and you've got a lot of people have to line up and people have to understand it. I mean, you know, taxpayers have to understand this is, you know, it doesn't work if we don't maintain it and we've got to pay for that. So uh, I'm also really excited then uh, about going to Hartford. You know, I, I can't say that's been the case before, but I'm really excited now uh, in, in five years. So that'll, that'll be good. So, uh, Secretary Slater, uh, you get the last word. Gunner, again, uh, thank you for affording us this opportunity and um, uh, to not only speak with you, but uh, the members of your uh, organization and, um, and frankly, their uh, recognition of the value of investing in um, the United States of America. Um, you know, as I think about um, this particular moment, uh, I'm reminded of another uh, period when um, major um, events, pivotal events, forced us to sort of look at ourselves in a more um, thoughtful, constructive, and um, visionary way. Uh, and we were forced to deal, I think, uh, as we're always challenged, uh, to deal more forthrightly with this idea of the promise of America and um, the recognition that uh, all of our citizens have value. I mean, that's what we the people is all about. Uh, and our pursuit of happiness, that's what it's all about. 
and our government is challenged along with others interested in that, um, uh, in that end in helping us in the process of becoming this more uh, perfect union. So the question, are we there yet? <laughs> uh, how do we get there? Uh, it's always um, uh, uh, an ongoing question that requires new answers. Uh, and I think, you know, Madison and others had this in mind when they created this form of government where you have a separation of powers, an administration that proposes, a Congress that then disposes, and the requirement that they work together to do truly big things, things that last and endure uh, and that are with us for a long time, things that help to bring about this more perfect union. Uh, and so I, I just don't think we can um, underestimate the significance of this bipartisan effort that has created this moment for us to not only think about this particular piece of legislation, but to think about others as well, uh, criminal justice reform, uh, immigration uh, reform, uh, and the like. Uh, and uh, to uh, ask ourselves the question as to whether we can, um, whether we can rise to the occasion of the promise of the moment. Uh, I think that's where, uh, I think that's where we are. And um, for infrastructure to have played a role in helping to get us here, along with um, maybe the silent pause created by COVID, uh, the sense of uh, momentum created by the collection of hum humanity speaking out in response to uh, the murder of a George Floyd, all of those things converging and coming together and saying and asking us, you know, are we ready for this moment? Uh, and um, I think we are. Uh, and I think it'll be very, very difficult, uh, but I think, uh, I think we're ready. And uh, I think that the more perfect union is, is at hand, and uh, it just requires the perfectors of that union, each and every one of us, every day, doing all that we can uh, to bring it about. And so, um, and I think discussions like this are a part of that, uh, because they help us to see one another, get to know one another, feel comfortable with one another. Uh, so that we can then work together collectively, as is necessary, uh, to continue to move our nation forward. So, yes, um, excited about this time. Well, uh, thank you, all three of you, because now I'm excited, too. Uh, this, is, uh, this has been a, a fantastic discussion, um, a valuable discussion. Uh, I encourage everyone who's listening, uh, if you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe to the AFIRE podcast. Uh, we are available on almost every podcast server out there. So feel free to download it. Uh, and then you can hear all of these as we go forward. So I, I want to thank Karen Street, the former executive director for the Congressional Black Caucus. Uh, thank you for your ideas and your insights and, well, for your belief that things can and will get better. And uh, Chair Schuster for your uh, really kind of more than anything else, what I come down to is you got to fund it. 
And, and, and I love the candor that you bring to all of these discussions to say, all right, we got to do this way. You know, there are things that we have to do. Um, and then, uh, and then Secretary Slater, um, I, I just, I, I feel like I've just gained another half inch in my spine. Um, I'm ready to go forward as a proud American and, uh, and solve big problems together, et cetera, as we go forward. So thank you, all three of you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the AFIRE podcast. Remember to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, including Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. AFIRE is not engaged in providing tax, accounting, or legal advice through this podcast. No content included here is to be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell any asset. Some information, including the AFIRE podcast, may have been obtained from third-party sources considered to be reliable. AFIRE is not responsible for guaranteeing the accuracy of third-party information. The opinions expressed in the AFIRE podcast are those of its respective contributors and do not necessarily reflect those of AFIRE. To learn more about the AFIRE podcast, including underwriting guest opportunities, visit afire.org slash podcast.